Here I am again saying, Lord, I'll give you something to work with. That's just a little, I mean, a word. A word's nice, but I'd like to have a paragraph to go with. It'd be nice, better. I'll take a whole book if you want to read it. So what does the Lord want? What does he require of us? How can we work with him to have the results he really wants? And that's where the word room comes in. Making a place. Ephesians chapter 4, 27 says, Neither give place to the devil. Or don't give the devil room to work. I've never in my life been into a household where we sat down to eat and they pulled up one extra chair more than there were people there. And there's five people to eat and there's a sixth chair there. I've never heard anyone say, now that chair we're going to leave for the devil. I can't imagine that. Anybody in this household would do that. That just, just crazy. I can't imagine that they would actually invite him in. But do you know what? The devil doesn't always um, look at our words, but our actions. And there are things we can do. I've told my children for years. There are things we can do. That is an invitation to the devil. You are actually, when I said this activity or that one or this thing you want to watch, you don't, may not think of it, but you are saying to the enemy, here's a chair. I'm giving you a place in my life or a place in my home. Place in my, and we're not going to do that. We're not going to give a place. Obviously, that would be really dumb to put out a chair for the devil when you want to serve the Lord. Does that make sense? Am I still on the same page? Do you understand what I'm saying? So when he says neither give place, that means to give room, um, opportunity, uh, a foot, just a place to put his foot. Even a half of a foot hole can be strong when you're in battle. Do you know there are things that we can do, conversations we can get into, that are nothing more than giving place to the devil? There are offenses that if we grow them and stroke them and glorify them and talk about them, even though they were truly an offense when they happen, we can go beyond God's grace and mercy and give a place to the devil. I hope you hear what I'm saying. This is the Holy Ghost speaking through me right now. I've, I've been praying for God to do more than I could do, to speak more than I could say, to make more sense than I can make, to, to truly transmit his word from me to you. I believe that. I hope you've been praying that God would speak through all of us. But Think about this simple thing that's not even on your page. You want to write it. The Bible calls the devil the accuser of the brethren. He's called over and over again the accuser of the brethren. The Bible doesn't say that he falsely accuses the brethren, but Jesus, of course, says he is the, he is the father of lies. He is a liar from the beginning and the father of lies. But the Bible says he is the accuser of the brethren. That's, his, that's one of his roles. That's his role to accuse. It's his role to accuse. He was there to accuse Job. If you ever read the first chapter of Job, he's there to accuse you and I. And the question that I think about is this one. If I begin to accuse you and accuse her and accuse him and accuse them, in a sense, I am now doing the work of the enemy. He now can sit down and take a rest because I've stepped into his role. Talk about giving place to the devil. I am giving room. I am doing his work by accusing people of God. That's his job. 
Do you hear me, ladies and gentlemen? I, I don't want to give room to the devil. I mean, I love the Lord. Why would I, why, why would I do something so dumb as that? I don't want to step into a place where the enemy is thankful that what I'm saying is at least helping him out. Oh, okay. So, place is any portion or space marked off. That's a little area. Or as it were, a surrounding space or an inhabited place, a city, a village, a district. Metaphorically, this room or place, those words are many times used interchangeably, is opportunity, power, an occasion for acting. You and I have ability to not only give place to the devil, but I can also give place to the Lord. I have the ability to give God room. Or I can shut those things off and mostly just be this sanctified Christian who's not really allowing God any room. That seems, that seems to be hard to understand, but the Bible talks about good seed that was on good ground, but it had thorns, and the thorns choked the word and make it unfruitful. You could say those are people that believe in God, but because they've given place to so many other things, the cares of this life, taking care of life, what's important in this life, pleasing themselves in this life, wanting after riches, just so filled in the thorns grow up and choke out the Word. Even though the Word is powerful, it's not being fruitful in their life. No, very little fruit is growing because, because of those. They're giving place to the wrong things. I can give place to the Lord. I can give place to the devil. I can sort of give place to myself. You follow with me? Room is powerful. Room is amazing. Room is, is actually a little bit scary. Take, take a man and a woman who have lived on their own for a little bit, and they get married, and they're going to move in together. Oh, Lord, now we need you, Jesus. This is the moment. we got to decide, Lord, what stays and what goes. Well, that is my couch from college, he says. And she says, yeah, and it's a piece of junk. It's out. And he says, but I have these pictures on the wall. Okay, we can have three pictures, but not eight pictures. Somehow they've got to make this work. Or you're going to have a house with 15 couches stacked on top of each other and pitches and all these things. Oh, my goodness. We have, I went through that. I know that life. We've struggled to figure it out. How is it going to work in our new life? What stays and what doesn't stay? We had that struggle in the grocery store. Well, my mom's always had olive oil, so we got to have olive oil. I don't know what to do with it, but we've got to have it. Well, my mom, she said, always had these 15 spices. We've got to buy those. Man, that was an expensive grocery bill, that first one. We were trying to buy stuff our parents had for 40 years. Every kind of, because it's hard to make room. I have been in houses on this same day where a woman calls me and says, okay, you're going to come praise my house. I just want you to know it's a little bit messy. It's, you know, I'm not happy with it, but just try to ignore the mess. I say the standard thing. It'll be okay. Don't worry. And I, I, that's usually what I say. I try to do the best I can, to be honest to that. Before I got to the house, the second lady called me and said, I am so embarrassed about my house. I know I'm trying to make this room work, and it's not, and I just hope you don't count it against me on my appraisal. I said, okay, fine. So I get to the first house, and I had to 
follow a pathway. Um, I was walking on magazines to walk around. Uh, I couldn't get in the living room. Uh, and then I, th- there was a pathway behind the couch. She had so much debris and things she'd gathered. And then I, I, my feet were slipping because there were just magazines. I was walking on them. And then uh, this bedroom was not accessible. I pushed the door with my shoulder and got my camera and just take a picture. That was all I could do. And then the kitchen was so bad, I can't even tell you how. It was, I tried to do the best I could, but it was so filled with just... And I thought to myself, somebody paid for all this stuff, and it's just eventually going to be thrown away. I mean, it's hor- It's sad. It's like so much stuff, and it wasn't expensive or nice stuff. And so I get out of there, and of course I go to the gas station and wash my hands and pray for myself. Lord, keep me from every evil thing. <laughs> and I... I go to the second house, and I walk in, and she's so apologetic. She's nearly in tears. I'm trying to do the best I can. And I walk into the living room where she's, you know, trying to get the room to work. And I'm thinking, man, what is wrong? Oh, I see. One of the throw pillows maybe not match, and she's fixing one other throw pillow. That's all I could find. I couldn't figure out what else was wrong. It's like the house is perfect, except these throw pillows don't fit. They're not right. They're the wrong color. thinking, oh, God, you should be in the house I was just in. <laughs> you, you wouldn't be talking about throw pillows. You'd be throwing things, not just pillows. In the same life, I can make room for God. I can make room for this world. I can. I can even fill up on things that are not bad. No one's bad list. And be filled with them. God has convicted me so many times about things that I fill up on that is just the stuff of this world, news and what's happening and who's doing what or something or some event or some fun. You know what I'm saying? I can make room. I have territory. And so do you. Right? If I start moving these speakers and all these things out of the way, I know someone eventually would get upset at me. Probably be bad to happen. But if that's what happens, you have to move things out of the way and push it in order to make room. I hope I get through this. I really do. But I hope even much more so that you get the message, the heart of the Lord. I believe the Spirit of God wants to speak to you and me. He is not limited. He can fill any room. But I limit him by how much room I give him to work. He can blow apart a room. He has power to turn any house into kindling. Even Solomon said, you see this magnificent temple I built that I've literally spent every any amount of money you can imagine millions gold and silver and expensive craftsmanship he said the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain him how much less this house that I had builded this thing can't hold him he's too powerful to be held the word even said that that, the, that his presence moved. The glory was in that place. And the priests were driven out. They had to get out because the presence of God was so strong they couldn't minister. They had to wait. Do you think God can't fill your room? Yes, he can. But he won't. His incredible kindness and such a gentleman, he won't force his way in. And there's some situations he won't stay. He won't stay around. He'll let you do something that's horrible and gross and dirty and disgusting and fill that room with filthy things, and he'll say, I'm not going to be here. Get this cleaned out first. 
I'll come back. Wow. I, okay, I guess I'm done. That's probably the whole thing. I have some blanks to fill in. But that's, that's my heart. Jesus gave this serious warning about having an empty place that unclean spirits can live in. Now, when the unclean spirit goes out of a man, Jesus is talking about casting out that demonic spirit. It passes through waterless places seeking rest and doesn't find it. Then it says, I'll return to my house from where I came. And it comes, finds it unoccupied. See, that word doesn't means that they do not have the Holy Ghost. Nothing's living in it. It's just been cast out. Understand the difference there? That's not the same thing as having the Holy Ghost. You cannot be filled with the Holy Ghost and be filled with the enemy. You can't have the Holy Ghost and be possessed. Okay? But this house isn't, doesn't have the Holy Ghost. It's unoccupied. It's swept. It's put in order. And then that unclean spirit goes and takes along with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go live there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. That's what it'll be with this evil generation. Those are the words of Jesus Christ. Even God needs room to work. Even God needs room to work. Bible says Abraham's servant was there. He's looking, he's praying. Oh God, Abraham sent me to find a, a bride for his son. And he, he asked a question after the girl did exactly what he prayed. Whose daughter are you? Tell me, I pray thee. Is there room in your father's house for us to stay, for us to lodge? He was so excited and thankful to find out there was room. Do you know that God has things he wants to do in your life, but there's not room for it? He knew that, there were, that they had a house, they had a place to stay, they had tents. That wasn't the question whether they actually had rooms the question was, do you have room for us? Am I going to be able to stay there? Do you know that God has miraculous things in your life and my life that he says, I, I can't do this in their life because there's no room for it. They don't trust me for that. That I can't, there's no room in their heart. They've got this little space and I'm, I'm trying to compete with everything else. Ooh. At first, there was a building created so that God could live with them. Have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. But now God's moved. We've moved to a new location. For as much, Corinthians says, as you were manifestly declared to be the epistles of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. God has a new sanctuary. It's not here. It's not some strange place across the seas. It's in me and in you. Are you still with me? The Lord Jesus, even the Lord Jesus came into a world that did not give him much room to be born into and gave him little room to do his work. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger. Why? Why did that happen? What was the reason? Because there was no room for him in the end. No, you can't stay here. I'm sorry. We, we can't. We've got too many people. It's not going to work. I can't squeeze out another, another small amount of 
just a, another room. I can't, I can't do it. Sorry, there's a manger back there. What a picture for our lives that the Bible says he was in the world. The world was made by him. The world knew him not. He came into his own people and his own received him not. But as many as received him, as many as make room for him, to them give he power to become the sons of God. He gave them power, even to them that believe on his name. That's you and me right now. Wow. Even when he was doing his ministry and working and miraculous things happening, the, here comes the words that give him little room. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? I know this guy, the brother of James and Joseph, or John, brother, and Judah and Simon. We, we saw him grow up. Are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Who are you making yourself out to be? But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, among his own kin, his own house. And he could do there no mighty work, save he laid his hands on a few sick folks and healed them. What happens when even Jesus Christ is given little room? You know what happens? Little miraculous, maybe a little touch. What happens when Jesus is given great room? Things change. The world changes. People's lives are turned upside down. Jesus, you can say, what? wait a minute. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Jesus, you have power. You have might and ability. You know everything. You are God in the flesh. Can't you just push them out of the way and go find the people that are sick and hurting? No, no, you understand. I have to have room to work. And they couldn't give me any room. Do you feel the message I feel? I feel the Holy Ghost talking to you and me. It, it's so incredibly personalized for you, Austin, all the way over there to Sister Morris. It, from, the, from the very, every human being has the ability to say, I'm giving you little room or no room or all of my room in my heart. Every, everybody has the chance. Matter of fact, everyone has to answer the question. From Brother Tim in the back to me up here, every one of us have got to answer the question, Lord, Today, do you have room to work in my life? Do you have Today, I have to answer that. This is not a paper I write on, put back away, and the thing is gone. I've got to talk to him today and say, Lord, you're telling me you want to do more things in my life, but you can't because you only have a little room to work in? Oh, Lord, I, I just would you take a minute? I know I'm teaching. Just raise your hand and say, Lord, I'm ta- you're talking to me right now. I feel the Holy Ghost. I know, Lord, this is not a message that I get to tell people. It's a message I'm telling me. Oh, Jesus, I hunger for you to have. I don't want you to ever just say you had so little room in my life to work. I don't want that to be in my mouth or here in my ears ever, that I had, you had little room in my life to work. Jesus, I pray. I'm really asking you, Lord, honestly, talk to me. Lead me. Help me get out of my own way. I know that's one of the biggest things, Lord. We get in our own way. Oh, Lord. Jesus, in your name. Come on, someone, just for a moment, cry to the Lord. Talk to him right now, would you? I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I thank you for your spirit. I want your Holy Ghost to guide me and talk to you. Thank you, Jesus. 
Oh, Jesus. Do you want to see Jesus do something amazing? He must have room to work. Mark 14, Jesus said, He'll show you a large upper room, furnished and prepared. There, make ready for us. That's the Last Supper. You need some room. I need some room to be there. Not having a Last Supper. Twelve other guys, 13 of us. All the things are going to happen tonight. There's a lot of things going to happen. There's going to be some washing of feet. There's going to be... You know, some words said, they're going to be written down forever. It's important. I need, I need room. What happened in Acts chapter 1? And when they were come in, they went into an upper room. This is 120 people or so that could fit there. There's some room. We need some room. We've got some room for praying. We had to make a place for the miraculous. Now, the Bible says there came a day when Elisha, he was a prophet, passed over to Shunem. And there was a prominent woman there. And she persuaded him to eat some food. He just walked by. He was on his way to some other place. So it was as often as he passed by, she's getting this message. She sees this happening again. Well, hey, he's going over there. And there he comes back to this way. Oh, you know what? Someone told me the prophet was just coming. Here he comes. There he goes. He's coming back through again. Maybe a week later. Maybe 10 days later. Maybe a month later. Oh, there he comes through again. Often as he passed by, he turned in there to eat some food. She made a little bit of food for him. That's not much room. At first, he had no room, right? He passed by. That means there's no room. He just walked by. And then she made food for him. So now he's going to stop in for a little bit of food. That's a little room. She says to her husband, we've got to make more room. I want more of the prophet, so I've got to make him more room. Little food's not enough time. I want him here more time. I want a lot more of this. Let's, I perceive this is a holy man of God, she says, that's passing by us continually. Let, let's make him a little walled upper chamber. We'll, we'll put a bed in there over on this side. That, you know, over, no, over here. No, over there. Over here. Okay, over there. Got it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I, uh, God have mercy. I have had a mirror in my hands. My wife Jennifer had me on the wall, holding over to the side so you could see how it looked. I said, <clears throat> I don't think so. Let's try on this wall. Let's try this wall. Finally, we came back to the same wall. Started. You know, that's the best wall. Thinking, oh God, we, I was here. I already started here. I can begin here again. Oh God, have mercy. I can hear her saying it. We'll put a table over here. Put a chair with a little lampstand. It'll be whenever he comes, he can turn in here. And one day he came in and turned into the upper chamber and rested. Why did he rest in their house? Why not the house down there or the house over here? Or way back in the village? Because they made room for him. They made room for him. And what was the result of making room for him? Sure enough, woman got pregnant, just like you said. Something that could not happen because she could not have children. It wasn't possible. It wasn't, wasn't anything medically could be done. The following year, she had a son, just like the prophet said. Do you know, before you turn the page, hold on a minute. In this house, right here, I, I thought this when I was praying before the service. There are people that God would like to use to give you wisdom and direction in your life. But you say, well, why don't they? Because they don't have any room. You've got to give them room. 
maybe it's just inviting them over. I'm not saying make them a room. <laughs> that would be, wow, that would be really going all out, I suppose. But maybe just spending some time. Maybe saying, hey, I know you've been down this path before. Can you tell me some wisdom, what God's given you, and how you work this out, or how I know you maybe struggle with this. Tell me what not to do. That's godly wisdom. Why don't you get that? Because it takes humbling yourself to give room. Pride fills up the room. Humility makes room. Pride is arrogance. says, I don't need anybody else's help. I can do it all myself. And humility says, no, God's put people in my life to help me. I want to receive help and direction. I don't want to be endlessly dumb or walk around in circles. And why don't we have the things we want from God? God says, I've got a miraculous thing. What, what a sad story for the prophet to just walk on by your house and go to hers. Because there's room there. What a sad thing for the word of God. The powerful word that's supposed to come to your life. Just look around to find someone and then they're the ones who are going to listen. Not that there's not a word for you. There is. It just passes you right on by. Passes me right on by. Sometimes you come in here and you, have, you hear the, the message and the pastor's preaching or something's happening and you get a little meal. It was a good meal. You hear Brother Foster and Sister Foster or you hear someone teaching on Wednesday night and it's just a, a little meal. You're thankful for that. But why isn't it a big meal? Because there's no room. You're filled up with so many other things. So much is here. You've got to clear things out. Good things have to go so great things can come. That's hard to do because my flesh can make a great, great presentation about why the things that I think are okay to do, I should go ahead and keep doing them. But the Lord puts his hand on me and you and presses on it and say, I want more room in your life. Other things of this world have got to go and I've got to have a little more room to work in your life. We sing that song about the breakthrough. Love that song. All the breakthrough. We sing it 47 times in the song. Breakthrough, when heaven breakthrough, all the breakthrough, all the breakthrough, breakthrough. I love it. I, I want that. I hunger for it. I was right standing right there two Sundays ago singing it. Breakthrough, breakthrough. I turned to Jeff Coachford and I said, you know, it is a scientific fact that before there ever has been a breakthrough, there had to be a break with. Every scientific breakthrough was preceded by a break with. Before they said we can discover this, they had to let go of that old way that the sun goes around us. Or that, you know, trying this with a chemical will hurt your body. And, and instead, of, instead of actually giving you a shot that will save you. Or that there are little bitty bugs you can't see that make you sick. And we should wash our hands. You had to let go of that one before you can get this one. Every break through in the spirit also has to be a, a break with something of this world and our flesh has to be let go of. I can't hold on to this and get what he wants. Well, I, I feel the Holy Ghost so strong. I, I feel like God is talking to you and to me. I pray you can hear him. I pray you can hear. Some of you can hear the message so clearly. Others, you are trying, straining to hear it. You're struggling to hear it because you're so filled with so many things, worries and to-do lists and frustrations and the world and things and data and information. And, oh, God, help us to clean our minds and be able to hear him. Someone say yes. 
Jesus in your name. Matthew 10, 41, the Lord said, He that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. He that receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. That's all about room, how much room you're going to give. Psalmist said, I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for you considered my trouble. You have known my soul in adversities. Anybody's soul ever been in adversities or in adversities right now? You have not shut me up in the hand of my enemy. You've set my feet in a large room. Jesus is actually making a place for those who will give him a place to live in their hearts. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Wow, room is so incredible. And the Bible's full of this concept. Beautiful picture of how much room do I give him to work? How much room do I want? Have to clear out things. I've got to put things away. I've got to put things under. I, before, I go, before I go to this next section, I want to help talk to you about something else. The Bible says that we can even make a place for him with our praise. I didn't put this in your notes. I just thought it today, and the Lord spoke it to my mind. We can make a place for him in our praise. Did you know that you can make him a room? Someone turn to Psalm 22, verse 3. Psalm 22 and verse number 3 talks about, it gives the the clarity of this picture. Psalm 22, and I'm going to go to the King James Version so you can hear that there first. Get my Bible to do right. Come on, little... Bible screen person thing. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Psalm 22, verse number three. There we go. Beautiful. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Thou art holy, thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Another version says, you are holy, who are enthroned on the praises of Israel. God literally lives in praise. His presence that you want to feel, that moving of the Holy Ghost, lives in praise. Find any description of that throne room. Find it in Isaiah. Find it in Revelation. Find it where any prophet is carried in the Spirit and sees a room. What's he see? He sees angels that give him praise. He sees four and twenty elders that fall before him and throw their crowns at his feet. When you and I begin to praise the Lord, our mouths begin to talk to him. We begin to listen. We begin to make a room, a place for him, a spiritual place right here. No matter what I'm in, what room I'm in, what place I'm in, what time of my life I'm in, early or late, or whether things are going really horrible, the darkest of night, I can make a place a room for him with my praise. Look at Psalms 100. Look at Psalm 100, and I'm here. We're talking. You and me, we're talking. Come on, little thing. Thank you. Psalm 100 and verse 4. It says this, Enter into his gates with, someone say it, thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful in him, another phrase talks about, and bless his name. For he's good, 
and his loving mercy is everlasting. Right? We, we go in with praise. That word, enter into, that phrase, enter into, when you go to Strong's and read the, the, the expanded version of that phrase, it's like someone getting off a ship and going across the water into land. It's like someone stepping across a threshold from one room into another. It's like going across a country line and out of this country into that country. It is a via. It is going across. We travel across from where I'm at to where he is when I praise him, when I worship him, when I give him praise. The Bible says that is do his name. Oh, just for one minute, would you right now just give him praise? Lord, I love you. I thank you for your holy word. I thank you that you don't leave us alone. I thank you that you care about us and you stir up our hearts and minds. I thank you that your Holy Ghost is so powerful and unbridled. It never gets old or tired or worn out. I'm so glad, Lord, for your greatness. You're a great God. I want to give you praise as do your name. If there's anybody on this planet that's due praise, it's you, Lord. We give praise to everything else but you. Help us right now, at least in this building, to be one of those that say, I give praise to him who sits on the throne, who is the almighty God. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, goodness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, so back to, our, back to the message that we're talking about. We're talking about room, and we've gotten down to the part here. We're talking about putting off and putting, putting on, putting on and putting off. I asked this question to the Lord. Okay, I got that. That's awesome. I love it. So what do we do? What, how do we get this done? What happens? What's the actual real-life application? What's really going to happen? Godly disciplines are the way we make room for him. Godly disciplines. Now, Ephesians chapter 4 gives us an insight to there. If so be you've heard of him and been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off, that's the put off part, concerning the former conversation, the old man. Conversation there is not limited to speech, but everything, all of life, behavior, all the things that we do, all things that come out of us, which is corrupt, that old conversation, according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you, now here's the put on part, put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. That there's, there's a lot of clues there. You put on the new man, and then there's some clues about it. Here we go. After God is created in righteousness, that right living, doing right, whatever is right, doing what God pleases to God and true holiness. So, the picture that this passage is giving us is an activity, one that we don't stop doing until we make it to heaven. We've got to constantly, Lord help me, to put that off. That's the way of the world. That's not like you. That's not your thoughts. That's not your words. That's not your ways. And I'm going to put this on. Sometimes we begin to walk in the things we put on, and we are good for a while. But if we let it go will slip right back into the things we shouldn't have on. It's so easy to do. It's a godly discipline. It goes like this. In the, a book I read many, many years ago, it's a decision. A decision. 
that leads to a discipline, that leads to a delight. Way back here, it's a decision. Lord, I'm going to start my day by talking to you. That's a decision. I am sick and tired of being sick and tired of not knowing what you want to say to my life. I am changing that. That's called a decision. I am changing that, Lord. I, I won't talk to people until I've talked to you. That's my decision. That decision cannot, it'll, it'll die. It'll be strong here in church and in the altar in some moment, and it'll become weaker and weaker until it just, you'll forget about it. Unless it becomes a discipline. And discipline is something you'll say, but this doesn't feel very good, and it's not very exciting, and I'm not happy about it, and it's not, there's nobody, you know, giving me cheers and rah, 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 and excitement about what I'm doing. But that's why it's called discipline. It discipline. You've got to say, I'm going to be there consistently. I will be there. It may not be much time, Lord. I'm going to start every morning with you. And then somehow, while that discipline is holding and won't, won't stop, I say, I'll never, I'm not going to miss, Lord. That's the discipline. I made this decision. Somewhere it turns into delight. It might be, it might be really early. It might take a while. It'll be like, oh, I am so thankful, Lord. I get to talk to you today. And trust me, life can happen where you come back into this disciple, discipline again and go back into delight. And if you let go and say, Lord, I'm just, you know, I'm just too discouraged and frustrated and depressed, God loves you so much. He'll knock at your door again. He'll make, ask you to make a decision again that will lead you to discipline, that will lead you to delight. These are words for life. If I listen to these words, I will do a lot better. I'd be a lot better than I'm doing right now. I want to grow with the Lord. But we usually do that on the basis of feelings. And when there's not a whole lot of good feelings, we don't do it. There's no organ playing. There's no one saying, you can live for Jesus. Yes, go, go, go. And everything's pom-poms. I don't know if they ever do that. But it would be great if they did because then we'd be excited about it. Hebrews 12 and 11 says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. Now, the writer is talking from the concept of being chastened by the Lord. Chastening is the King James Version. But painful. But the same thing applies to discipline and the concepts. How does the Lord chasten us anyway? Putting us through things or allowing things to come into our life that are uncomfortable. Discipline is not, no one's going to be disciplined and be happy about it. Right? I don't know anybody that's going to be, oh yes, Lord, I want it. I want you to discipline me. Or I want to be disciplined. But being disciplined is part of being a disciple. I think those words go together for a reason. If you say you're a disciple of the Lord, but you have no godly disciplines, are you really a disciple? I don't think you are. I'm not sure what happens if you take disciple out of discipline, but probably not too many letters left. There's not a whole lot you can do with it. Discipline is defined in that, that word, that word given to Hebrews, education or training. By implication, disciplinary correction. It's being trained in the ancient Greek language. That's the word we use for a world of athletics. The training of an athlete is marked by some agony. And so is our training, God's spiritual athletes. You and I, we are in charge of getting rid of weights and besetting sins. 
We're in charge. Put your hand up and say, I'm in charge. Yes, you are. Yep. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, that's Hebrews' way of saying people have been where you are and have done it. People have gone what you've gone through and done it. People have had your situation, your problem, your sickness, your loneliness, your difficulty, your trial, and have done it. Someone somewhere has had your fight and have gone through it. Someone has been led by the Lord and got from where you are to where God wants them to be. There's a cloud of witnesses. That's, a, that's encouraging. That's not a cloud of condemning witnesses. It's a cloud of saying, I did it and you can too. God did it through me. He can do it through you. You can get through this. The broken things that are broken, God can fix. The things in your life, the heart that says, I don't, I don't know what to do with this. God knows what to do with it. God can make things go together that we can't even imagine on our own. So because we see that, here's a response. Let us lay aside every weight. Say every weight. And the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that's set before us. So imagine a runner is running and there's a long distance race. This is not a race. This is not a sprint, is it? This is a marathon. It's a long distance race. It's our whole life. We're running with the Lord, right? We're not going to just do this 100 yards and be done. And they're running, but they have weights on them. That pulling them down and making them more difficult, making their muscles hurt. You would say to that runner, no, no, get, pull those out of your pocket and get that backpack off. And, and why do you have all your hands strapped down to your leg? That, it's a weight. Now, sins are, are actually doing things that will get you out of the race. That, that's crying foul. You can't, that's cheating. That's doing something that's wrong by God, and you know it's wrong. Weights are things that other people get away with, Lord, and they're, they're doing this, and it's not wrong for them. And the Lord said, yeah, but it's wrong for you. But, but Lord, I, this is not that bad. Well, maybe it's bad in the amount that you're doing it. Maybe it's bad in the way you're doing it. Maybe it's bad in the way it gets a hold of you, because we're all different. Weights are a class of hindrance that includes just about everything that can get in the way or impede our progress. Easily besetting sins, best described as the convenient sin that's close to us. Unrighteous conduct, that is our default behavior. It happens to us easily, and it's a particular weakness of our flesh. It's a thing that, just like that, we get depressed, frustrated, upset, tired, worn out. Before you know it, we're slipping over here. God's got to help us because that's a destructive thing. And we like to pretend that we're, not the, we're the only ones that don't have any problems, but that's not true. That's a lie. We struggle with the things of this world. We struggle. We fight. God helps us when we fight. Now, those weights are things that we can truly say, Lord, that's not a problem. It's just, you know, the Lord says, that's fine, but guess what? I don't have much room to work. I'd like to do more work, but you don't have much room for me. Listen to this. And run with patience the race that's set before us. That race word has the word agony or agony in it. There's some agony in this race. There's some hurt in this race. But Paul said, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. This patience is not a waiting around patience, looking at your watch patience, hope that the Lord gets here patience, 
hoping that someone does something good, patience, but an endurance, patience, a power, perseverance, including the ability to finish what's begun. Mm. All right, so close your books up, put your things down, stand up with me just for a moment. And, and just, just for some of you learners that like to learn by doing, get some room. Take a step out in the aisle. I won't make you run around the church or anything crazy. Get some, get some spread out room where there's nobody right there next to you. Just spread out a little bit. Get out in the aisle. Stand up. I know this is strange. It's not on the agenda. I didn't write it as a note. Just get a little room. I want you just to get the mental picture. And when we pray, I want you to think of it. Lord, I want this right here that I'm doing on the outside to be what's happening on the inside. Come on, right now. Jesus, I love you. You're so near right now. Your spirit is in this building. I thank you for it.